0: Gentlemen,
1: you are both drunk on cosmic wine.
0: Welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Mark Sylvester.
1: And I'm Dr. Richard Schulman. This This is All
0: Psych. Well, welcome, everybody. This is episode five. Today, we're going to be talking about non-ordinary therapies for non-ordinary times. I'm particularly excited about this. What about you, Rich? Well, of
1: course, because I'm not ordinary, neither are you. You know, we're not boring, if nothing
0: else. I haven't been called boring so far today. Uh, Well, that's good.
1: Um, Non-ordinary. Boy, we sure are living in non-ordinary times. Do you feel like you've been dropped off in a Twilight Zone episode?
0: Yes, or a parallel universe or some dystopian future. Uh, There's kind of a lot of different uh, permutations of dystopia I've got going on in my mind.
1: Don't you think it's amazing that the universe opened to be ready for us
0: now? (laughs) I think something has got to come out of this permanently change. And I hope it's people getting back into a touch with a lot of what we're going to talk about today and why these non-ordinary therapies are so successful in our practices?
1: Well, I'll tell you I'll tell you one thing for all the people out there. Uh, Dr. Mark Sylvester has been trying to convince me that telemedicine, telehealth is the wave of the future. And uh, I have to tell you that considering they put everyone on house arrest for a couple of months, he's right. And uh, I could say personally that my patients... Uh, went to telehealth, like changing gears on a Porsche, uh, boom, boom, and um, it's, it works.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting to see, I mean, I've been doing it seven years now, but it was interesting to see the changes and just uh, since COVID and, and in terms of how it's affected the whole uh, flavor of, of, of interaction in the telecommunications world. Television platforms? What I
1: was actually most surprised about was, number one, the, um, the willingness of people to use the, use the model, but also the effectiveness of it. I found that with just a little bit of imagination, I could put myself in the room with them. And the visual information, along with the auditory information, gave me just about everything I needed uh, to do an effective, session, you know, as, as a psychotherapist, I rely on, you know, little, little, uh, little tiny meta communications to tell me what's going on underneath the surface. Found kind of I could pick up just about everything I needed and the sessions were productive and, um, people seem to like the convenience, uh, oh, especially absolutely. considering they couldn't go anywhere, but, um, and, you know, you didn't have to wear a mask.
0: Yeah. And, you know, talking about telehealth through the lens of it being a non-ordinary therapy, I mean, we kind of had to do this because I think after COVID, this has become ordinary. It's the new normal. We keep hearing the new normal. One of the new normals is how we telecommunicate. And um, that includes therapeutic interventions and not just things most people would think of like psychiatry or, or, or psychology or therapy, but... There's a surprising, life coaching, there's a surprising amount of therapeutic uh, interventions that can be done through telehealth. So it's worth saying hello to and then goodbye because it will become ordinary um, or it maybe it already is. I, I would actually look
1: at it as just, it's another tool in the toolkit. And I, I actually do wanna uh, raise my, uh, Forty years of doing psychotherapy and object to the uh, purely computerized psychotherapy models where there are algorithms that respond to people. Um, I think telehealth is a great idea. I think those those algorithm driven, the computer will answer you models is a terrible
0: idea. Uh, that that reminds me of of how open the pod eight doors. Yeah, really. <laughs> I'm talking I think about. Not
1: everybody gets that reference, but I do.
0: All the cool people get it, and and everyone else went and looked it up, so now they're cool.
1: 2001, people, it's from the movie, but we made it to 2020, so I don't know, pretty interesting movie. We're finally back in space. That's right, and you know what's really weird? We have a whole new platform for going into space, and outside of the launch, I haven't heard a thing. (laughs) It's talk about a new, a new world. All I hear about is uh, not, I don't even hear about COVID-19 anymore, just riots. Yeah. So I guess that means that, you know, the mental health part of all this is going to be really, really important. And I know that, that you do some things differently in the office in terms of, you know, giving, uh, treating people biologically.
0: Um, Yeah, I, I think that's what we talked a a little bit about before and the concept of functional psychiatry. We didn't get too much into the nuts and bolts. Um, And we're not going to get too much into it today, but just sort of conceptually, conceptually so people understand what we do here, why we do it, how it's different. Um, There are some other clips out there, but just to summarize, um, we look for the heart of the problem and not, treat the symptom as as the primary approach. Um, If it's the cause of the problem or the origin of the symptoms, that's where we want to look. And sometimes we can really get phenomenal results without turning to uh, pharmaceuticals, what we call nutraceuticals. And these are things that, you know, can be anything from Vitamins and supplements you can get to uh, at, uh, at the store or on, online to um, medical foods, which are almost like prescription uh, nutri- uh, vitamins, if you will. Um, a specialized type of, of market, which is uh, exceptionally helpful for a lot of uh, more common complaints like insomnia, depression, anxiety, sort of the bread and butter of what we're all Seeing and feeling these days, but uh, I can also... tell you
1: from my personal experience um, that it really works. When the COVID nineteen hit, I decided I was going to, you know, supplement my immune system and took a whole bunch of stuff. And as it turned out, yeah, my immune system is fine. I guess I didn't get sick, but I felt emotionally, mentally, stronger and clearer uh, from taking a higher dose vitamin C and zinc and vitamin D3 and some of the other things that were recommended for the immune system. And I've been in Mark's infusion room to get high dose vitamin C. Let me tell you people, it's it's pretty powerful.
0: Yeah, and that is a little bit more advanced, um, non-ordinary therapy, I would say. Um, not just the IVCs or B12 shots, but some of our more complex or personalized mixes, whether that's Myers cocktail, glutathione, NAD, um, any of the hormonal balancing we can do as well. It, like you said, it, it, uh, it has a tremendous impact on the way that we think and, and we feel and on our moods as well. And in my personal experience, it's worked as well as any antidepressant or anxiolytic that I've used. So um, it's pretty profound, and it's led my practice in a much more um, successful direction in terms of being able to reach a wider variety of people and actually truly help and or cure them.
1: Well, you know, all these things are tools, and they have to be used appropriately. You know, I'm not ruling out any anything in the toolkit, but I think a lot of psychiatrists will not even consider the things that you do, uh, Mark. And I think it's to their detriment and the detriment of their patients. Um, this is powerful stuff. It doesn't, uh, as far as I can tell, there are only good effects. I don't, you know, I didn't get any bad side effects when I used them. Um, and, um, you know, it, is, it does make a certain amount of sense that you might be deficient of, uh, of zinc, let's say. I don't know that I was ever deficient of Prozac, but. Um, Correct. It, it, so, uh, just as you know, as, as a psychologist who doesn't know enough about this, I think Dr. is really onto something powerful.
0: Yeah, and I'm not a trailblazer here. I'm actually, like we said before, standing on the shoulders of the giants that came before us. Um, because this approach and thinking has been out there, uh, it's confusing why it's struggled to gain traction. Um, And I think in today's age, now more than ever, with people feeling so limited and stuck um, or or, or incurable or treatment refractory, that they absolutely love the idea that there's something else. There's another approach. There's hope. Um, There's many, many, many more tools. Yes, I've been trained like any psychiatrist in all the tools that they have but, in addition, you know I've gotten more training and really valued success wherever I see it. Like I have a dear friend and colleague, uh, Miguel Rivera, who really does geri, geriatric psychiatry, and he'll go into nursing homes and and these nurses have known you know, patients for years, not seen them respond, and Miguel can get them interacting, responding with color therapy, music therapy. Music's tremendously powerful. Um, you know that, and it, it's, they've, they, it blows them away. They're stunned. They've never seen anything like this. There were no drugs involved whatsoever.
1: Oh, music Music! Your music is my healer. That's what I use, because my body won't tolerate alcohol or drugs. Um, and I use music very often in my psychotherapy work because it gets around people's defenses. There was a great story. Um, I had a guy I work with and I knew his girlfriend, a little bit. very nice gal. She called me up one day out of the blue. She says, I'm in trouble. I said, what's the matter? So, well, my dad died six weeks ago and I haven't cried. I said, wow, come on, come on. So I used to, I I do a lot of uh, body therapy with a body therapist, sort of a co-therapy. And when we got her on the table, and um, I put on Billy Joel's uh, Goodnight My Angel, which is a song to his daughter. She looked at me, she said, you really play dirty and burst into tears and cried for an hour and started her grief process. Very, very, music, the musical vibrations will get around people's defenses very, very powerfully. You, you kind of, once again, there's no substitute for, you know, sensitivity to what people, where people are, but yeah you know, there's a reason why those same chord progressions, you know, with a hundred thousand songs, people will still listen to them.
0: Is that why you have all those guitars in your office? Um, I don't know.
1: Right now, because I have a new office, I I only have this one, but it's kind of a nice guitar, you know? So, uh, yeah, I did. Well, yes, it's also for my uh, personal sanity, you know,
0: well, do you think that's triggering memories, or do you think, like specifically just the concept of a of, of vibration, whether that's a musical note, a musical vibration, some sort of resonance within our brain or brainwave pad- patterns that can change people's thinking and feeling so quickly,
1: or is there's, it... There's no doubt. I mean, if you go back in history, Pythagoras was searching for that, those golden, he called it the golden ratio but it was really a ratio of vibrations. So if I take the guitar and I play play an A chord, most people will will think that's a happy chord. If I play an A minor, people will hear that as sad. That's fairly universal. If I play like a ninth chord, people will view that as kind of funky, you know, there's a, and it seems to go, across cultures. If I play this chord, it's kind of majestic. It's a C major seventh. Okay. There are vibrations that, almost like archetypes, I believe, that affect people differently. You, you've heard of heartstrings, right? Uh-huh. And, and I I used to run a group that used high intensity music and, and yogic breathing to, to do emotional healing. And it seems like different kinds of music will hit different areas of the body and activate different um, emotions. Like if you hit hitting the low, like big drum beats, you're gonna get survival kind of stuff. Um, you know that, it, it, as, you, as you move up through, um, through the body, you're getting like strings in the heart and flutes and, and like angelic voices and harps will open the intuitive centers. It's really very, very powerful uh, technology. Yeah. And then, I mean, of course, there there's, you know, songs are like time machines. Y- right. You know, um, you you can figure out what you were feeling at a certain time in your life by song. Song comes on the radio. Wow, I was in high school now. Wow, I remember that stuff. And of course, you know, some songs will have personal meaning for people. And then there are some songs, you know, that are that are just universal will attack. Uh, different areas. I mean, turn on the the radio, 90% of the songs are either about falling in love or breaking up. And it does occur to me that that's the the biggest addiction in our society.
0: Well, I was thinking about like those Tibetan bowls that that, that just vibrate at at one frequency in a series of harmonics. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I think about Tesla was famous for saying if you want to understand the universe think of it in terms of frequency and, and vibration. Um, you,
1: if you go in and, and uh, I've, I'm a person who's gone to see the the uh, Tibetan monks chant and that's, that's like being on acid. I mean the the, uh, the heightened levels of awareness you get just being in that energy are incredibly powerful and because they put you in an altered state, non ordinary state, it really opens up the possibility for all kinds of emotional healing and, and progress.
0: Is that where the energy work comes in? Sure.
1: I mean, you could think of it that way. I think, you know, if you really go way down the rabbit hole, you're going to find out that everything is vibration you know, and that some things vibrate fast, some things bri- uh, vibrate. That's, well, well like, that's what Tesla said. Yeah, uh, well, he's a pretty smart guy. You know, they asked uh, um, Einstein what it was like to be the smartest guy in the world. He said, I don't know, ask Tesla.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: anyway, the energy workers are, are very, very powerful. There actually is some scientific data to back up this about that there is an electrical field around the body, and they've been able to detect, I don't know, anywhere from four to six inches away from the body. The really good energy workers that I've worked with and that I know personally, they can detect energies much further off the body than that. And if you think of, if you put the word emotion for energy, you can see that there's a lot of potential. Personally, I've worked with body therapists for many years at first to sort of, um, find exit points for emotional energies. And this was very non-ordinary when I started. I think it still is kind of non-ordinary. It's just non-ordinary. It's just ordinary to me that this seems perfectly logical, but some of the body therapists I've worked with along the way and one of the ones I work with now, very much into the energy. They don't seem to need to touch the body that much to do the reading to find out what's going on underneath, where are the emotional blocks? And, you know, then it, you, you get into realms that are, that are much more uh, transpersonal, metaphysical, but if we use it to create hypotheses to work on, it's amazingly powerful.
0: When it's coupled with your training and, and your intuition and, and your insight into the patient, well, yeah, it actually
1: helps if you know what you're doing. It's funny because the first body therapist I ever worked with said, you know, you're a really good psychologist. I said, well, I hope so. You work with me. He said, it's not what I mean. She said, you know, the regular stuff too. And I, I think it is important for everybody to know the fundamentals. Know, know the conventional stuff before you go unconventional. You know, the whole idea is that we, can, we can help somebody simply. We don't have to get complicated. But it's when people fail at, at uh, conventional therapies that we have to think of something else. And that really is what was the, the genesis of, of the kind of work that I do, the mind-body work, working with body therapists.
0: And the, I mean, the goal of, of our show today is really about therapy and helping heal people. And w- whether that comes through Prozac or whatever's the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, I think that's what makes our practice different is we're willing to look, consider, treat, practice, all of them, or have experts in that area. Um, As as a person
1: who's not politically correct or psychologically correct, I'm not really sure I care why they get better as long as they do.
0: Yeah, my point exactly. And um, we've just seen that so much, not only with the energy work, uh, and, and you're at work with body therapists specifically, but even, you know, we, we do soul trauma healing, um, Interviewed someone who might be coming on board to do Ayurvedic medicine. Um, there are a, a lot of ancient wisdom therapies that, like we said before, we're rediscovering what we've already known. Um, and it's part of the position that we're in now that people are, realizing it hasn't been working for them.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, we're living in a kind of trauma toxic environment right now between the COVID-19 and all the rioting and being constantly pummeled in in the media. It's on people's minds, but it's really in the air. And when you deal with trauma, you are dealing with trance states, with non-ordinary realities. Uh, ancient societies would choose their medicine people uh, by finding kids who, were around age nine, some t- 9, 10, 11, who had had near-death experiences, figuring that they already knew the way to the other side. Now, we don't kind of live in that milieu. Our psychiatrists and psychologists and other mental health workers are people who decide to go to school, you know?
0: So, well, uh, present company excluded. Well, you went to school. I did, but I also, and you may or may not know, at the age of six, had a pretty serious head injury and was in a coma and experienced a classic uh, near-death experience like Raymond Moody uh, originally described and Bruce Grayson eventually put a scientific rigor into how to classify it in that manner. Um, So
1: you were were perfect for this, but they then you went to medical school and and you you know you did your residency in psychiatry yes you were prime for it i was too um i was always a dreamer and and i had these really powerful dreams starting from when i was a kid and i was fascinated with it what kid wants to be sigmund freud instead of a baseball player i don't know uh,
0: that well, was me and i i was so tied up you know with, with engineering school medical school residencies fellowships that I, I, you know, that part of me that was sort of open to non-ordinary states and most importantly, the utility of the practice of medicine using non-ordinary therapies kind of took a backseat. And now that it has, to, has to. How do you get through school without
1: it? You know, you have to put it in a backseat. It's just, you can't leave it, you can't um, leave it there because the patients would really like to get better. And when they don't get better with conventional stuff, you have to have something else to to give them. And that was really why I started going down that road. Yes, I was happy to go down the road, don't get me wrong. Um, But it would have been easier if I could have been like everybody else, I just can't. And I couldn't sit with the idea that the therapy I was offering wasn't getting anywhere. I didn't want, you know, you can blame the patient for that. Well, you know, you didn't fit Freud's theory. What the heck's the matter with you? But the the to be honest, you have to say, well, my intervention isn't the right one, or it isn't strong enough, or whatever the, or you know, whatever you, you decide and you have to come up with something different, something better. I really believe that every person can make significant improvements. And sometimes, you know, you have to you have to look somewhere else. And this flowed for me. The idea of looking at, at hypnotic states, trance states, it made perfect sense for me. And since we're living, like I said, in this sort of worldwide trauma, people are walking around in trance right now.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and at some point, we probably will have to access that to help them. And by the way, I don't like the term new normal. I just want to be healthy.
0: Yeah, I think that's everyone's goal is to, is to find healing and find health through any means necessary. And uh, they're finally looking and considering any and all options. Um, why now? It's probably a culmination of things. I think that we're, we're finally ready. Um, and starting with a good provider who's, like you said, not only trained in, in the foundations of their field, but also, additional complementary alternative modalities, non ordinary uh, therapies like we've discussed, is really gonna maximize your chance for uh, reclaiming your health. And, and you know,
1: I, we do know about uh, cannabis therapy and psychedelic therapies, and we're gonna devote a whole show on those in the future rather than do two minutes today. But I think they are part of the mix and part of, you know, the non-ordinary therapies are gonna be uh, in the future. Um, and I've seen them work, so go figure.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and um, in some upcoming shows we'll probably invite some guests, some of our um, practitioners who are experts in that particular um, non-ordinary therapy um, who can represent it and, and we can ask them questions and. So any, any recommendations, post to the comments below. And thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next week. As always, be well.
1: Be well and take care, everybody.